we were able to organize a charity basketball tournament uh, uh, featuring local celebrities and we were able to raise $7,500 going towards the Boys and Girls Club, surpassing our goal by 2500 And um, after this experience, uh, it was, I wanted to share my, my past with people. And so I wrote a book called Kids Can Change the World and it encourages kids to turn their passion into progress. This is the Future Ready Podcast. My name is Kevin Brookhauser. My guests today are Ryan Apia and Adam Clark, both individuals who are heavily invested and have found a great deal of success with 20 times. Adam is a student at Spartanburg Day School, and he got started with 20 Time uh, with the help of his teacher, Ms. Kelsey Turner. And he started a nonprofit organization called Fall for Good. And it is an organization that supports the community and other nonprofit organizations through sports. Ryan Clark has been teaching across multiple grade levels and content areas for nine years. And he currently teaches ninth grade health and serves as a digital learning specialist for White Bear Lake area schools in Minnesota. I'm going to be speaking with Ryan as he presents about 20 times at a uh, EdTech Team Summit in Minnesota. Before we get started with the interview, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. This weekend, I'm going to be speaking at the Monterey County Libraries in Bovina about cryptocurrencies, and I'm going to be speaking with someone I work with, Andy Smith from Knowing Technologies. We're going to talk about uh, what cryptocurrencies is and uh, how it is possibly going to shape the future of cryptocurrencies, whether it's a good investment idea or not. Full disclosure, I am not a financial advisor and don't make any recommendations on investment strategies, but I do find cryptocurrencies interesting and I think it's it's a fascinating topic to discuss. So I'll be talking about them. Uh, that's going to be Sunday at 2 p.m. at the Marina Library for the Monterey County Library. So I'm really excited about that. So let's get started with a conversation with Ryan and Adam. Ryan and Adam, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hey, thank you for having us. This will be really fun. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to have the two of you here on this podcast because I see so much uh, going on that that, uh, that that aligns really well in what we're what what I like to push as far as providing more student agency through tools like Twenty Time Projects, and I'm just so excited about what both of you are doing, kind of on opposite sides of the country and. Uh, doing somewhat different things, but also things that align really well. So um, I'd like to start off with you, Adam. Would you mind giving me a little bit of your background as, as a student and what got you started in 20 time and, and eventually leading up to this amazing uh, program that you started and book you've written uh, with, with the help of uh, your teachers? Well, um, last year it all kind of started in, seventh, in our seventh grade history class. We dedicate 20% of our time, as you know, as a, in a 20-time project, and we did that on our Fridays, and I pitched this idea to have a charity basketball tournament to benefit the Boys and Girls Club of the Upstate, and 
my teacher approved it and guided me along the way along with several mentors uh, in my area and we were able to organize a charity basketball tournament uh, uh, featuring local celebrities and we were able to raise $7,500 going towards the Boys and Girls Club surpassing our goal by 2500 and um, after this experience uh, it was I wanted to share my my past with people and so I wrote a book called Kids Can Change the World and it encourages kids to turn their passion into progress. <laughs> what an amazing story. Um, you know, a, a lot of adults tend to think that today's young generation, all they do is spend their entire day with their heads buried into their phones and on meaningless social networking. Um, and yet what I'm seeing you do is, is uh, produce amazing work, do really good using some social networking, but also uh, working out there just kind of in the physical world and starting this basketball tournament. Um, what, what do you... How do you explain the discrepancy between kind of what a lot of adults think about your generation and, and what you see there on the ground? Um, well, with my classmates, they also have their 20 time projects, and I see yeah. a lot of them have some great ideas, and they can really apply them uh, using the tools of social media, because social media can, uh, it can be a blessing and a curse, and if it's used correctly, it can really help you grow and grow your awareness uh, and grow your outreach and I've seen some of my classmates being able to do this with their 20 time projects and it's a great thing to yeah. notice. And Adam, how old are you? I'm 14. <laughs> Everyone uh, remember that name, Adam Apia, that it's just uh, amazing what you're doing. Uh, Ryan Clark is a teacher, a uh, health, health teacher in Minnesota and also implementing 20 time in his, uh, in his uh, classroom. R Ryan, can you give us your background in education? What got you started in education and, and uh, what got you started in 20 time projects? Sure. So I suppose I'm, I'm the son of two teachers, so it might have been in my blood. Um, and I was pretty successful as a student in traditional academia. But I left, or when I graduated, I left feeling kind of disenfranchised with my whole experience. I didn't feel equipped to make a, a difference in the world or, or to um, forge my own path or what have you. Uh, so, but I got into teaching, and when I taught, I just used what I had experienced as my model. So I taught mm -hmm. the way I learned um, because I was successful in that, and I thought that's how... Uh, education had to be. <laughs> uh, right after graduation, I taught exclusively physical education for about four years in an environment that was devoid of any um, new tech or, or hardware access and also void of any really great training. And so when I switched over to teaching health, uh, this new world opened up to me uh, of possibility. And so uh, after getting my legs under me my first couple of years, uh, I desired for something more for my students. I wanted something that was more student-centric, um, something that upped the ante on student output, something that aligned to passions and curiosities, something that tapped into intrinsic motivation, and something that incorporated future-ready skills. I just wanted more for my students. I thought uh, my students deserved a better experience than what I had. And so um, 
I always taught the way I had been taught, but I ped- but I had access to these through my personal learning network. I had access to these incredible teachers, uh, like Dave Burgess, who teaches mm-hmm. like a pirate. I mean, he's just so charismatic and on fire, and he leverages these these cool um, strategies to make students just be so engaged in what he's talking about. Um, and Randy Musalam, who's this brilliant science teacher, uh, who just has the IQ of infinity, as far as I'm concerned, um, and he he uses that high intelligence to spark curiosity in the students. And a guy named Kevin <laughs> Brookhauser. <laughs> who uh, does a bunch of coding and technical stuff in Twain Time Project um, to make his students really uh, do more than just traditional school. And I suppose when I reflected on what those guys did really well, it was they leveraged what they were naturally good at. And so I reflected on what I was naturally good at, which was dad jokes and relationships, (laughs) and tried to find the path where I could make the most out of what I had and that led me to kind of one place it led me was 20 time, but in a greater sense, it was personalized learning and and um, providing choice and things like that. Um, and so I, I just kind of dove into 20 time, and, and here I am. That's so cool. I, I so I so as you guys know, I spent a lot of time talking to teachers about the merits of 20 time, and I think a lot of people, you know, after they they hear about the value of providing students independent projects that have a real world purpose. You know, a lot of people say, oh yeah, Kevin, that's, that seems like a pretty good idea. But, you know, we teachers, we've, we've got all of this content that we're expected to deliver and, and all of these standards that we're expected to meet. Um, and how, how are we supposed to have time to do this, add another project to our busy schedules? I'm wondering if any of you have any uh, any initial response to someone who says there's just not time for 20 time? Yeah, I could jump on that. Sure. So I teach a semester class that meets every other day, which means I have 42 contact days with my students. I teach uh, four other units besides 20 time, and so I we are pressed for time. There's not a semester that goes by when I'm I'm looking for more content. I'm always trying to squeeze stuff in. Yeah. And so for me the 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 trick for embedding 20 time in was finding where it naturally fit. Um, I had to I had to kind of um, look at my standards and find where um, what I could get rid of to make 20 time fit in better um, because 20 time does a better job of incorporating 21st century skills and uh, student centric learning and um, all these and like all these things I want in my classroom. So I had to get rid of some other stuff to say yes to 20 time. Kind of say no to the good to say yes to the great situation. Yeah, yeah. So I found a lot of times where uh, content I was doing was overlapping. I naturally embedded goal setting into other areas. Um, I embedded values into decision making and kind of covered multiple topics on single days so that I could devote more time to 20 time. Uh, What the benefit that gave me was that it upped the ante on 20 time. When I could articulate to my students that, hey, listen, we have 42 contact days. I'm giving you eight for this project. That's a huge commitment from my end. Mm-hmm. I, need you to, I need you to hold up your end of the bargain on your side. Um, a lot of my students responded really well to that. A- Adam, what do you have to say about, about teachers who might say, you know, there's, there's just not time for uh, these kinds of 
independent projects? Well, um, in my classroom experience, uh, my teacher, Miss Kelsey Turner, she does a great job of balancing 20 time and our history curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to go through our textbooks, we're able to go through packets that she gives us, and there's always something interesting in history. And when it gets to Friday, which is our designated 20 time day, unless there's a special situation in the week, uh, we devote 100% of our time in that class period to 20 time and sharing ideas. And I believe it's a truly enriching experience. And it's not your traditional classroom setting, no, but it will... I feel like it's better for you in the long run just to have that that period of that time to even if not necessarily working on something huge you mm -hmm. can talk about ideas and grow as a person with your peers yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam you, you know one, one of the questions that I get a lot when I talk about 20 time is is how do we motivate students to uh, to do something like this, and, and a lot of times I, I find that students initially just want to be told what to do, and they, you know, they kind of they're more comfortable in a situation where the teacher says, uh, "Yeah, you've got to do this thing," and then they just do it, and they all just kind of go home, and and that it's it's hard to find the intrinsic motivation to work on a project that doesn't have very clear parameters and has a degree of ambiguity in, uh, in it. Adam, how do you? stay inspired to to produce at the level you're producing and innovate the way you, the way you are well when I first started this uh, this uh, process I I felt the exact same way I didn't know what I wanted to do and I started brainstorming and I looked at some organizations and what they did and how they supported others and I just got fired up just looking at other people and their success stories and how it's entirely possible for me to do it as well and how I've been provided with this wonderful opportunity of 20 time uh, that that inspires me on its own and with my classmates uh, are we actually had a discussion a discussion last Friday about um, about how we don't want to necessarily incentivize 20 time and make it um, and make it more of a grade it's kind of like it's not based on your success it's based on what you get from 20 time and mm. how you grow as a person and how your project impacts not only others but yourself I like the way you put that you know it's it's about um, evaluating or assessing the value of the process uh, other than the, the product itself uh, you know a lot a lot of times we, we're, we're asked like how do you grade this sort of thing well I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like to grade the final product because it, it tends to encourage students to think about creating something that's really safe, something that they know they'll succeed in, and I, I want to stretch my students. I think the one thing that's really apparent about 20 time is that when we focus on the, on the process instead of the product, we focus on the mindset instead of what's already there. So if yeah. we want to incorporate a growth mindset in our students, right, we want them mm -hmm. to feel like they're not this static set of skills, but rather this dynamic thing that's growing and always getting better. It's kind of like the premise of mastery grading in your, in your setting, right? I want them to see yeah. that what they start with is not what they end with. 
Well, yeah, you know, you, you bring up that kind of growth mindset, and I encourage anyone who hasn't yet done so and is interested in in, edu- in part of the pedagogical theory that, that's behind a lot of the work that we do is, is Carol Dweck's work out of Stanford University in her book, In Book Mindset, which which describes the dichotomy of someone who has a fixed mindset and someone who has a growth mindset. And, you know, the ind- students or, or adults even who have a, a fixed mindset are you know, spend their entire lives trying to prove how smart they are and doing so by, you know, you know, constantly thinking about, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to be successful? How am I going to be able to show off what, what I know? Whereas those who have a growth mindset are constantly just looking to learn and are not afraid to make mistakes along the way and are, are, and are actually curious about the mistakes they're making and, and learn through that process. And I think there's, there's little question about which mindset is going to lead to a more fulfilling life, a more successful life, and, and a life that has a greater impact on those around us. And I can definitely see the growth mindset among both of you. Uh, Ryan, I, I was really curious about specifically 20 time in the health class. You know, a lot of times we, we wonder how do we incorporate our discrete academic discipline into a 20-time project, and I've seen teachers take a, a, a wide variety of approach to that question. Some just say, I completely ignore everything that's, that uh, is in the description of my class and give it a completely wide open project for the students for that period of time that I provide, and then others look for ways to incorporate their content into the products and into the projects and I've got my own personal opinions on what what I think is best although I've seen uh, I've, I've seen success across all of those approaches how, how do you, how do you take it Ryan? sure uh, I love teaching health uh, for me there's yeah. there's no content area that's more real world applicable right I want what we learn in health class to be applied to your life tomorrow um, and I think that the content kind of leads itself to that. So uh, mm-hmm. my, my lens that I view it through is I want their health, their 20 time project to uh, not be about their health, has to impact someone else besides them, an actual person, and then mm-hmm. they have to create something. And so luckily for me, when I dig into the health standards, uh, there's eight of them. And one of the standards says students will demonstrate the ability to advocate for personal family or community health. And so I took, yeah, I took that and ran with it and made our kind of driving statement uh, that um, I will improve the health, which is health is this all-encompassing idea that's multidimensional and interrelated, um, improve the health of my class, school, community, nation, or world. Um, and be outside of that, it's really wide open what they do. And so it, it, for me, it encourages the idea of this greater understanding of health that it's more than just the absence of disease or eating your vegetables or going for a run or maintaining a healthy body weight or whatever, but it's this kind of this grander picture of health and all-encompassing and all these different areas connect with each other. And so really what they can do is wide open. Ryan, is there anything that frustrates you about how health is taught? I think the thing that that frustrates me about health is uh, when we focus on just like content understanding. Like I want health to be more than just memorizing uh, the street names for drugs or what the essential nutrients are. But I really want them to leave with these skills that will enhance their health as they leave. 
you know, when we take a holistic view of what education is, I want, um, you know, the different dimensions of people to be impacted. You know, I want them to leave and, you know, if they want to improve their mental health, I want them to leave with a toolbox of strategies to do that. Do you have any, any standout projects that you're willing to share with us that your students have taken on as 20 time projects? Uh, <laughs> one thing I love <laughs> about being a teacher is the opportunity to brag about my students because they're fantastic. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a few. Um, you know, I have these two gals in my class that um, are exceptional students. I mean, they're, they're the students that are successful in every class, right? And so they were the type of students when I said we're doing 20 time they jumped up and they knew exactly what they were going to do, right? It was like the light bulb flipped on and it was like this epiphany they had about, you know, oh, this is really how school is supposed to be done. And so they wrote a children's book, um, but more than that, they had these strong, um, diverse, racially diverse female protagonist uh, that told, you know, that was the kind of the middle of the story. Um, and they wrote this uh, children's book about, um, having a growth mindset and, and learning a skill that they couldn't do at the beginning of the book that they could do at the end. Um, and it was fantastic and it was so well written. And they connected with this expert author from uh, Massachusetts. And uh, the end result was having this professionally printed book that they donated to a local elementary. And then uh, we have a reading set up uh, for later in the school year, right? So just like a home run situation. But I also had another situation with students of uh, two girls that were, you know, hadn't experienced a ton of success in traditional academia. Uh, you know, they were disengaged with school, um, but this project sucked them right in. Uh, they created a social media account um, where they, um, they took an adaptation from a seventh grade health assignment called the gratitude experiment uh, that, that mm -hmm. says gratitude is the key to happiness, so let's find all these different ways that we can express our gratitude and then see how it impacts us. And they kind of uh, went to the next level with it. And they created a social media account where they were highlighting the great things about our school and the great people in our school and the great, um, you know, how, how the janitors were so fantastic for keeping it nice and clean and documenting that and creating events for that and um, getting other people on board. And they left with like this pretty massive following of students on social media for this account um, and honestly made a tangible difference in like the climate of our school. Um, and it was so cool to just see them get in the flow of learning. When they were doing this project, they didn't even realize they were learning health, yeah. right? They were yeah. just doing it because they were enjoying it and they were sucked into it and they were, um, they were learning without any incentive for my class. I wasn't rewarding them for their learning. They were just doing it and it was fantastic. Well, that, that just gets me so excited, you know, and it makes me realize that we in, when, when we teach in kind of the traditional way or the, the parts when we are teaching uh, you know, our, our traditional class, we, we tend to reward a pretty narrow set of skills. If you're, if you're a student who can listen to information, process that information, read information, process that information, and then recall and then be able to write, write down or, or recall that information and, and express that in some sort of assessment, then we're going to be successful in schools. And uh, th there's some value in having those kinds of skills, but that, that feels like a very narrow set of the skills. And, and uh, the, the real world 
can reward a much wider variety of, of skills that are available, including you know this this project that your students produced, and you could see that, like I can hear that they got into that flow state working on their project. They didn't even know that they were learning in the process, and that's probably when the best learning happens. So, Adam. Um, can can you tell me a little more about um, what you're planning on doing next with your project, or what your next steps are? Yeah, right now we're uh, we're scheduled to have another Ball for Good uh, basketball tournament on April 22nd, and uh, we're we're bringing local celebrities again, and we're trying to uh, we're I had my classmates vote for the beneficiary of the funds and uh, that voting closes today and then we'll see who's going to be receiving the funds from the tournament uh, all the donations and uh, money raised and our goal is ten thousand dollars and we've had some great support so far even though we've we're pretty far out from it and, and if there's a way that anybody can support your cause remotely is there a way someone can uh, go in and online and, and help you guys out yeah yeah at, if they go to ballforgood.org that's b-a-l-l -L, number four g-o-o-d dot org they can uh, press the donate button and it'll take them to a paypal and they can just donate if they like our cause yeah cool and um one of one of my heroes, uh, Jamie Cassip, who's a uh, he and I are in similar circles. He works for Google and he's a uh, innovation evangelist. One of the things he's well known for saying is, you don't ask a kid what he wants to be when he grows up, but you you ask him what problem do you want to solve. So, you know, I think that you've already accomplished solving some pretty major problems. But Adam, what's uh, what's the next big problem you want to take on? Well, um, I want to be able to grow Ball for Good so that uh, it's it's beyond just my community. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to uh, impact others around the world. Uh, and I want to be able to uh, not just support uh, local causes. Um, as far as a specific thing, I think I'd go uh, maybe towards something like the water crisis or something like that. I could, I could uh, raise funds for that in my community and if I could grow something like that to be to be much larger I could have a greater impact than I would ever imagine very cool um, Ryan you've got an event coming up soon huh I do uh, well I should say EdTech team has an event coming up yeah uh, but I suppose I'm just speaking at the EdTech team summit in Minnesota on the 10th um, yeah. and so I have a special guest <laughs> Make a guest appearance via Hangouts. Um, and so we're going to talk to uh, uh, Kevin, you, uh, cool. as a resident 20-time expert. So yeah. we're going to showcase some of the cool things that are happening and, and give teachers a uh, hopefully a ready-made template so that they can incorporate the great things about 20-time in their own setting. That's awesome. Um, excited, excited to be a part of that, and thank you for, for inviting me sure. to jo join in on that. Um, I kind of want to conclude by by going back to your students who uh, wrote this children's book you know one of the things that's so great about 
inspiring or working to inspire students to produce content like like you've done is is that they can produce uh, products now that they used to have to ask people's permission to make. Like you, know, you had to go out and and write a bunch of letters and try to convince somebody to help you publish a book. And and now these kids they don't need to ask anyone's permission. They can just go write a book and publish it themselves. And I just think that's an inspiring thing. And I. I I, I love living in an era when you can do really amazing things without asking anyone's permission. Just go out there and do it. And I can see that the two of you are out there doing it and having a, a really positive impact as a result. Um, Ryan, how can people contact you or, or, or hear, read more about the work that you're doing? What's a, what's a good way for people to stay in touch with you? Uh, I suppose the primary means of contact would probably just be Twitter. Um, my handle is at health teacher RC. Um, I put a lot of content up there. Some about twine time, but other life stuff yeah. too. Okay, cool. My emails. And, uh, oh yeah. Go ahead. No, just my email is ryan.clark at isd624.org. Um, I'd love to connect with other educators uh, who are doing great things with twine time. So uh, I'm a big believer that, um, in the kind of the universal design for learning as it applies to teachers, right? So we're no longer yeah. um, called to be just content experts, um, but really uh, we're designed to be these, um, or we're called to be these constantly changing and iterating and evolving um, facilitators of learning, right? So yeah. I'd love to learn from other people as well. That's awesome. And Adam, how, do pe how would people reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me would probably be via email at ball4good at gmail.com. Uh, it's the number four in the middle. And then uh, the Twitter uh, would also be a great way to reach, reach me. It would be at ball4good. And, um, and then for more information and to stay updated with the ball4good tournament and ball4good events and all sorts of ball for good everything that's ball for good.org that's awesome thanks and uh and i've got to say that a lot of the way that, that the three of us uh were connected was through twitter and we we rally around this this hashtag 20 time i encourage you to keep your eye out on that hashtag and and see what teachers around the world are doing by giving their students 20 percent projects and uh, giving them some some degree of student agency um, Adam and Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories, and um, good luck as, as you move forward. Thank you. Hey, cool. Thank you for having us.